welcome to the Anxious in Austin podcast. Um, I am Dr. Marianne Stout. And I'm Dr. Thomas Smithyman. We are two psychologists here at the Anxiety Treatment Center of Austin. We, we specialize in treating anxiety disorders, and we have a podcast we do here every couple of weeks where we explore some topic that we find interesting and hope some people will. Yes. And today, our topic is everybody's favorite cognitive diffusion <laughs> which what in the world is that that's one of the things we'll have to talk about as we go yes yeah so i think that's a good place to start um so cognitive diffusion which sounds all like fancy and weird and i'm sure people are like i'm not sure i want to listen to this podcast when hearing that. but <laughs> Pause, it's, it's a yeah. fancy term for basically uh getting some distance from your thoughts okay uh it comes out of just to be technical here, it comes out of the acceptance and commitment therapy. Um, you mean the phrase cognitive diffusion comes yes. out of acceptance yeah. and commitment therapy? <laughs> you don't mean the concept comes out of that, right? <laughs> but, um, but go on. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, so basically, yeah. encourage. I'm going to read this sure. from an article I read. Encourages people to diffuse themselves from maladaptive patterns of thinking... Um, basically, we all have an, a tendency to over-identify with thoughts um, and have them become sort of truth. And what we want to do is to start distancing ourselves from those thoughts. So, so that means... I'm sorry. Please. Just my hearing yes. of that. Um, that means misinterpreting thoughts as being the truth. Yes, yes. And wanting to be able to step back and see thoughts are actually just thoughts rather than the reality. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Okay. Noticing thoughts as thoughts. I love how you talk about the brain as a thought factory. Like that's mm-hmm. a job. You know, like your heart is job is to be a pump and pump blood. Your brain's job is to think and well, parts of your brain's job is to think and become a, bunch a thought of thoughts factory. at yes. you continuously. Yes. And that we often think, at least in this culture, that like I had that thought it must be true, or it must be meaningful, mm-hmm. it must be some part of me, mm-hmm. and the goal of cognitive diffusion is to start to take a step back and see, like, brains are goofy buggers, like, they mm-hmm. throw stuff at you all the time. And it doesn't mean it's all important or yes. accurate or anything. Sure. Yeah. And I think when it comes to anxiety and OCD, that can be really helpful because your brain is sort of screaming at you that there is a danger, you know, there's a risk, there's mm-hmm. a catastrophe, and you need to pay attention to it, and this is true. And part of what we... Take, it, t- take what I'm saying seriously. Yes. Is, is the meaning here. Take it seriously. This thing, this is... Danger actually matters. This is a big problem here. Take it seriously. React, react, respond. Mm-hmm. And if you don't, there will be a catastrophe. Yeah. Something, you know, you're going to die or yeah. so close to that. The message of this thought is important. And what we are trying to do um, is, as psychologists working with anxiety disorders and OCD, is to start to get have people change their relationship to their thoughts, with their thoughts. Mm-hmm. That um, sometimes your your brain might be telling you things that aren't super accurate, or might be triggered at times when it's not really all that necessary. Um, and so, starting to shift that just because my thought or my brain gives me this thought do I have to give it the attention or the importance that it wants? Mm-hmm. Or can I start taking a step back and looking at it and noticing it and deciding 
whether or not that's the one, the thought I want to go with, the thought I want to act on. And I think that's a big piece mm-hmm. of it, too, that's is that yeah. behaviors and, and thoughts are two very different things. Yeah. Meaning because thoughts can just come unbidden all the yes. time, whereas behaviors we choose to do? Totally. You have, I think you have a lot more control over behaviors than you do over thoughts. Boy, do you. Yeah. Because <laughs> we get these, we call intrusive thoughts, right? Like where you don't want them to be there and they will be there. Mm-hmm. But, um, I mean, you could probably say like you do some actions you wish you didn't do, but you are probably a lot more in control of whether or not you're going to take on those actions or do those things. Mm-hmm. Um, because our our muscles are not movement factor. <laughs> they don't yeah. have to do it. Yeah, <laughs> we get to control whether or not they do it. Um, and I think that that is a really new idea for a lot of people. Um, and it's especially I, personally just in clinical work that I've done when we start talking about the thought diffusion. I don't say it as thought diffusion. Yeah, but just what do you call it? I don't really label it. I mean, I guess I start talking about things like labeling your thoughts. I definitely talk about anxiety as though it's like an entity yeah, in and of external itself. External entity. Mm-hmm. And this is, I find this really helpful across all of anxiety treatment. Anxiety is externalized as an entity. Yeah. I've, I've had like clients stop me and say like, you are talking about anxiety <laughs> like it's something else. And I'm like, I think it's really helpful to think yeah. of that then. Yeah. That, like, yes, I have a choice. Even if it doesn't feel that way, um, mm-hmm. I can start to notice what anxiety is saying to me and what yeah, it's what telling it wants me to you do. To do what mm-hmm. it's you know what reactions it's giving you in the body. The and if I think know. of anxiety as me, it's harder for me yeah. to make a different choice or to think mm-hmm. that I could make a different choice. Or yeah, it, um, it helps you get that distance. Mm-hmm. You know, rather than like oh the thought is true, must be really oh wait anxiety is saying that. What's anxiety's angle? Why mm-hmm. would it be saying what it's saying? Can I trust what it's saying? That's all, all that is, it helps you give you that natural distance. And I think once you do that piece too, this is going to be like kind of combining my cognitive behavioral side and my mm-hmm. act side. But I think when you do that piece too, um, you are starting to engage, right? Like that more logical part of your brain. And so you can start to use some of your logical thoughts to counteract those cognitive distortions <laughs> that anxiety is giving you mm-hmm. but it's hard to do that in the moment if you're just believing the thought you know like yeah um i'll use a personal example of my wonderful fear of sharks of like i think it really took being able to know you know what is it what is it that anxiety is saying is going to happen if i go into this murky water what what is the prediction that it has and until I start to do that to identify what the thought is, it just it didn't feel like a thought. It didn't feel like an option that there could be other options. Gotcha. It just felt like yeah. this is truth. This is what it is. And mm-hmm. once you can start identify and get a little space from it, you can see like, oh, that is what I'm thinking. That isn't necessarily how it is or what mm-hmm. the truth is. Yeah. Um. So. I know this is something that I was curious about or wanted mm-hmm. to talk more about, but I'm interested in, since you're not as acty as I am, what are, how do you <laughs> talk about? Yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> well, I, I, before we get into me, I'm curious to know why did you want to do this as a Oh, gosh, a, I don't know. As a topic. Uh, just because I think it's something. So I think, right, when there's 
a topic you're really interested in, you notice it, no pun intended, we're talking about noticing, but you notice it a lot in what you're doing, right? It, like, comes up a lot. Mm -hmm. And I just think that this is something that clients have spontaneously brought up a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, And I've just been noticing it a lot more when I talk about it with clients. Um, And so it's just been kind of percolating. I don't exactly know why I have this, like, special interest in it. It's not like a humongous, you know, I need this to be the focus of everything. But it's just been interesting and curious to me that it keeps popping up. Yeah. And so I just was like, hey, let's talk about this some more because this keeps percolating. Um, want to process it a bit and mm. explore it Actually, a little so bit. It's something you're just curious in, right? Yeah, just C- curious randomly, right naturally yeah. curious about. Good. And when you said, what should we do a podcast on? Let's not do it on a specific yeah, disorder or diagnosis. I was like, well, this is sort of random, but this is something that's... What? Yeah. And I'm curious about interest currently. Got you. Okay, cool. So your your question to me was what? Um, how do you talk about it with clients since you are not a and how do you think about this topic? Yeah. Since since you don't come at it from the same angle that I do. Sure. Um That's a good question. <laughs> um So I, I think where I where I come at it from, so the the initial place is it and you probably have this happen too. The initial place is like the with the CBT models, which is um if you have a distorted thought it's gonna make you feel bad. Mm-hmm. Right? So so that's kinda where where I started at the very beginning of interest in therapy um and I think that's like part of what's useful in doing that like you've got to identify thoughts Mm -hmm. right and so in order to identify a thought kind of what you're saying you've got to step back and notice that you have a thought Mm -hmm. right step one is identifying thoughts and then you've got to step back enough from the thought not just to see that you have one but then to like be open to the idea of maybe that's not accurate which gets you, I feel like, a little more distance. Like, I always call this, like, it's all the same, cognitive distance or something. So, that, at, in grad school, that's what how I labelled it. Cognitive but, distance? Yeah, because want, I wanted to have this distance from the thought. I didn't want to be in the thought. I wanted to be a step back looking at it. Um, so, I feel like you've got to do that as part of, as part of how CBT works. Um, but I feel like you do a little bit of that, and then you jump right back into the thought again. You go, okay, well, is this one right? This one's wrong? Okay. Well, now I can probably get rid of that one. Now I'm just going to jump back in. Mm-hmm. Um, and now my thoughts again. And the next one comes back, i got to step back again figure it out. Um, what, where I... So where I started going, though, was noticing that... Um, I, I'm sure this totally makes sense. But people were doing a bit of this and going, yeah... Um, the thought doesn't make sense I know that it's wrong I know that it's no reaction I know that it's anxiety I don't actually believe it but I can't stop thinking about it mm. and it won't go away and mm-hmm. it's still there mm-hmm. so to me that's where that led me to think about it a whole lot more and have a whole 
do, like I was trying to trying to find ways of getting at that. And I think actors, this is where actors kind of going is this sort of stuff. Um, but what resonated for me was a different one of the same kind of class of uh, treatments, which is a metacognitive therapy. Um, which is a whole lot less... Well-known. Well-known. <laughs> yeah. But also I think a lot less, uh, like, touchy-feely. Does that resonate? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It is. It is. And there, there are parts of ACT that I really like. Like, it has, you know, there's other kind of values and stuff. I think they're awesome. Um, metacognitive's more in that real sort of hardcore cognitive stuff. Um, so what... Like, the way I started thinking about it was... I mean, I read this metacognitive stuff, and it was, like, exactly exactly where I was, exactly what I wanted. It totally resonated with my experience of what was working and not working in treating people. Um, and so... Kind of what I, what I took from that is that the problem is not just um, you are your thoughts and you're in them, but how do you respond to them? And so where the traditional cognitive was like, let's change the content of yeah. the thoughts, the metacognitive approach was let's change the response and relationship with the thoughts, which I think is, again, a lot of what kind of Axe is trying to get at um, in a way that didn't resonate particularly well for me. Milk, milk, milk. It was just it didn't work. <laughs> well, yeah, there's a um, yeah. This feel is feel free to edit that bit out. But, 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 no, I kind of I don't I don't maybe do it in the same exact way of like an act thing. Like um, mm-hmm. we had colleagues talk about like singing thoughts and you mm-hmm. know yeah acting yeah. saying them with an accent and totally like yeah. that. Which I think is... Gives you some distance, right? Yeah, no, yeah. I, I I just... I haven't used that. But I do do things like... I'll, have, I'll say to a client, like, you can have a thought, and just because yeah. you have a thought doesn't mean it's true. Like, for example, say you had the thought that, you know, I'm an alien mm-hmm. from Mars. Mm-hmm. Okay, you had the thought, but just because you had the thought doesn't make it true. Yeah. So I'll use some of the, like, absurdity pieces. Mm-hmm. But I don't yeah, which, which I think, give you again, give you that, that distance, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so... So where one of the things I like about the metacognitive angle on stuff is they're not talking about just get some distance from it so that you can judge whether it's accurate or not. Yeah. Their their angle is who cares if it's accurate or not, kinda. Um, what matters is what you are doing in response to that thought coming up. Their the angle for this is um, you have a thought that you are um, that you're something bad is going to happen to you kids say or you know people people are going to judge you socially and have bad thoughts about you Um, the you can take a step back and go okay well let's let's think of all the things that people could think about you and you know what could how might they interpret you differently or you know Looking at with on a cognitive level with some distance, but the metacognitive approach, the idea would be, yeah, everybody probably has thoughts come up sometimes mm-hmm. of where they're like, oh, people are going to think bad things about me, or I have this negative stuff, or whatever it is. But that it's a natural part of human experience. It probably comes and then it probably goes. The problem is more 
how you respond to that particular thought when it comes up and that the, the, the unhelpful form of response is to grab that thought I always, th- I always think of it as like going oh no important thought grabbing it and then just drilling down into it yeah. so like worrying about all the ways that could happen and why they might think that why they might not what could happen you know, what will I do where could go wrong how would I respond if this happened but I would do this but what if that was interpreted badly mm-hmm. or it can go in the rumination direction of like oh thinking of all the times where these things did happen in the past and how bad you felt and it just triggers what, more of those yeah, negative intrusive thoughts yeah mm-hmm. and so this response to a negative thought not you know of basically sure accepting it or whatever maybe not but the fact that you respond to it by focusing your attention into it grabbing it drilling into it and all of a sudden spending a ton of time focused on all this negative stuff and we know that worry begets worry so the more worry more you worry in response to anxiety the more anxious you get the more you ruminate the more depressed you get and so I really like their response was considering that happens uh, we need to change not the fact that the belief and the thought that's coming in but what you do when it comes in mm-hmm. which means you step back from it yes because that stuff it gives you some gives you the distance but then the emphasis in metacognition is um, don't don't then take action don't treat the thought as though it's important and worry and ruminate and scan for threats so that's so that's kind of my that's my way of thinking why this is really important it's really like worry and rumination yeah based. I want to get rid of worry and rumination and give people the ability to choose not to because mm-hmm. a lot of times like oh okay I've decided this thought I've stepped back I've decided this thought's not real but now it happened again mm-hmm. so now I've got to get in and sort of re-argue with myself but mm-hmm. it's still there now, now I'm resp- and you're caught in it even though you know it's maybe not tr- uh, mm-hmm. uh, fully accurate yes and you are still engaging with the thought and so giving mm-hmm. so attention is mm-hmm. reinforcing feeding the it yeah. yeah so it's going to keep coming back yeah. Um, so yeah, even just the like having some distance from the thought is a different response to it, and it's not a reinforcing yeah, response. It's, it's to not it. feeding it, it's, and it's not treating it as though it's important, either by getting into it and analyzing it and thinking it through, or treating it important as in I shouldn't have this. I need to suppress it mm-hmm. and to fix it. Yeah, which which I like the, the way you talk about that in group of if if you say it's really important, I don't think this thought. The, your brain hears it as this thought is important or however, however it is you phrase it which is a little more eloquent than that I think yeah 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 because um, yeah, I think that's true right like the more you spend which is sort of hard because people are like well if I'm not supposed to not think the thought you know not mm-hmm. supposed to suppress it yeah um but I'm not supposed to do what it says mm-hmm. you know what am I supposed to do and that's when we come up with like hey Take some distance from it. Yeah. You know, it and can be there. D- Let it detach. Be there. Sit there and practice going into that detached place of where you're back from the thought, aware that it's a thought, and you watch it and you practice. I think of it as being active passivity. Explain. So you were. It's not like I, I feel sometimes it's just like uh, the kind of mindful idea of oh, we'll just be too passive and just just watch it float by or whatever, which to me I, I can't. 
I can't do that because my mind will just grab it. It won't. It won't let it go down, it, just down the stream on a leaf. Yeah, <laughs> I can't. That getting told to do that, it does not work for me. I'd be unable to do it. Mm-hmm. It's just like if someone says, "Imagine a, you you're holding a kite and you need to let the kite go." If I do that, my brain will go. You try to let the kite go and it flies back towards <laughs> you. It just resists whatever you're kind of telling it to do. So I, I need like an I need an active passivity. Okay, what does uh, that look like for you? Um, it's basically practicing. So, do you want me to get into kind of the details of how I do this? Sure, yeah. It's pretty. I spend a lot of time doing this. So I really want to build this this uh, this ability to have negative thoughts come up, and where we habitually we grab them and start ruminating and start worrying and start focusing and threat processing I want to really I really want people to have the ability to have that thought come up and then not do it because all of that is like you said feeding the system um, so I, I could go on for a long time about this I'm going to try to do a shortened a shortened version so I use a metaphor of watching a play which I think I think I, uh, I, th- I think I came up with. I'm sure I read someone something somewhere. You trademark this. Uh, I don't think so. <laughs> um, but I think it came about from um, my mother being an actress and doing a lot of plays. And I don't know how many plays you've been to, but plays can be super weird, you know. <laughs> like, like a movie, you don't have a, a sense of what it's gonna be like. The play is sometimes they're just you know I mean that the boundaries of how weird it can be are much wider. So, so I I was I have this kind of metaphor of like you are the audience member in a play. Your role is audience member. So you go take your seat and you sit and you are curious to know what is going to show up on stage. You do not know what will show up on stage. Um, and this kind of this is a metacognitive detached mindfulness ideas here. Um, maybe maybe your thought will show up on stage, and you can watch the thought. Maybe a memory will come up. Maybe maybe a, a feeling or a sensation, um, but that your your role is audience member. You're not the director, so. A thought may come up on stage. You can watch it happen. Maybe an image. It might be a memory. But don't go find a thought, or don't go find an image. Don't go sort through and pick the best memory and bring it up. Don't don't engage. Don't control it, because your role is audience member. You don't get to get up out of the seat and go, I, you know, I don't like this one that's on stage right now. Um, I kind of want it to be a little different. So I'm just gonna let me just direct the people and have this be the way that I want it to go. You don't get to do that because you're the audience member. And plays are weird. So maybe sometimes it's thin, doesn't make sense. Maybe it makes total sense. Maybe it's bizarre a lot of times. Um, maybe it's anxiety-provoking sure. and, and uncomfortable. uncomfortable. And so that's where you, you get negative images coming up and negative memories and strong uh, negative feelings, like emotions, which from my experience doing this for quite a while now... Um, when an image or a memory or a thought comes in that triggers a negative emotional reaction, um, that's what is most likely to make people want to get out and grab it because it's an attempt to control this negative 
this negative emotion and what I'm trying to train them to do with this kind of detached mindfulness play observing practice is look you can have that the, those negative thought triggers those negative image triggers come up you can feel that discomfort and that urge to go and make it go away through worry through rumination through suppression you can feel the urge and the desire but you don't have to do it you can actually choose not to do that you can choose to sit as an observer in your seat watching the play and when you do it just it changes after a bit sure the images will shift or the feelings will shift and your thought factory will keep producing yeah thought thought factory will still do its thing Mm -hmm. you think it's going to stay there forever no it It'll throw something else and something else as long as you just let it happen versus getting in there and feeding it by, you know, worrying, ruminating, suppressing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so that was a lot of... No, 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 <laughs> I try, no. I tried to warn you. That was a lot of info. No, that really wasn't that... Okay. No, I think that's a good, concise way of describing it, having seen you do this in practice. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, I just makes, it was making me think of, like, meditation, right? How you're trying to when you do a guided meditation, often you're telling people, like, just notice your thoughts, mm-hmm. but it's not always a really great way of saying how to notice your thoughts. I guess, totally. like, the, the, you know, attempts of, like, the kite and the leaves on a stream and things like that are attempts of being able to do that, of mm-hmm. noticing your thoughts and yeah. not engaging with them. But it's a hard thing, right? Like, you're trying to say to somebody, do this super difficult, complex thing mm-hmm. and not give a whole lot of instruction. Mm-hmm. That, that goes that. against your habitual practices. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I had another just random thought pop in when you were doing it, when you were talking about that, that, um, oh, cause our goal, right. Is like to not have you direct which thoughts come up, but yeah. direct which thoughts you pay attention to eventually. Right. Like, what do you mean? Well, like, um, if you have a really upsetting thought come at you, like say an intrusive thought of like, what if my kids are hurt or something like mm-hmm. that? Um, and you want to go in there and you want to worry about it and things like that, um, then you, and the more you do and the more you engage with it, you're not able to shift your attention to something else, right? You're not able to say, oh, here, my thought factory came up with something new and that's what I want to focus on instead. Mm-hmm. You're kind of hijacked into focusing on this one thing. And, right, like I think that that's what I, the goal or what I talk about a lot with clients is that you my goal is not for you to stop thinking these uncomfortable thoughts. Uh-huh. Yeah. My goal is for you to allow those thoughts to be there and in not engaging with them, mm-hmm. that they will then eventually pass and you can shift totally. your attention. This is the active piece of what you get to do is that thought can be there. I'm letting it be there. And look, when these other thoughts come up or these other things that I, my values of what I want to be paying attention to come up, I can actually decide then hey, here are these two things. Since I'm not engaging with this, I can I can work to engage more with this. So, so which kind of gets us to the attentional yeah. attentional focus. Because you can't stuff, right? do that piece if you haven't... You can't shift your attention if you're not... If you're fully in... If you're so fused with this one thought. Yeah, if all of your attention is up in your head focused on this thought. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You can't... Where, whereas what you want to be doing is be able to distance from the thought, realize, mm-hmm. okay, this is trying to grab my attention, it's trying to get me in here. Meanwhile, something in the real world that I care about is happening. Yeah, like, and I, I prefer to, to engage yes. in that while leaving this to do its thing without needing it to go away before I can move on to my life. Yeah, like if I'm so focused on this uncomfortable thought, I can't focus on yeah. work or 
whatever it is I want to be putting yeah. my attention and, on. And I, I think you do too, but I use the example of the tantruming child thing of like thinking of that, that threat system that's sending these really intrusive like alarm bell thoughts at you, treating it as being that, that you know, child who's in the grocery store having a tantrum because they want a candy bar or something. You don't want to engage your attention and reinforce with attention or the, the tantrum behavior because it's just going to feed the kid and make them be louder. Instead, you want to you want to not reinforce that. You want to just basically just like let it happen, be aware of it, but not feeding it. But then engaging into what you actually care about. Yeah, and there's none of that happening if you're so yeah if focusing you're, on the tantruming child. You're not yeah. able to do other things that are yeah, important. if you were fully immersed in that, then yeah, you got no attention left to pursue the things you actually care about. Um, yeah. I don't know. This was... I don't know why this, this has come up so mm-hmm. much lately with clients and with just like my... This has just been an interesting thing to think about, but I th- yeah. think it's like a... kind of gets to that idea of like, am I my thoughts kind of mm-hmm. thing, right? Like, that yeah. gets a little trippy. And a little <laughs> well, I, so what? what is your... Cause I, oh, I, God. I, I've actually been thinking about that a ton. Oh, don't a, get... A ton lately. Uh-huh. And, I mean, you don't have to. I mean, I, I can try to tell you my the, where I am with it. But I'm curious to know, since, since you mentioned that, that are you your thoughts? If not, what are you? Because <laughs> I did have somebody actually ask me in a session, yeah. like, a couple weeks ago, if I'm, if I'm not my thoughts, then what am I? What am I? <laughs> yeah. you, I um, well, when we, we went to an ACT training recently, yeah. that's when it started to get into like a spiritual mm-hmm. element of things. Um, I guess, to be perfectly honest... I think that there is a, I don't know, like, the name of it, but I think there's a, I think we are sort of our thoughts in the sense that we, there's a piece of us that gets to decide, oh, this is my, I guess we are our values. Mm. Um, Like, I am going to decide which thoughts I want to engage with or which thoughts I want to pay attention to or which thoughts I want to have more of, Mm -hmm. you know, like, the one of the part of us that decides these are good thoughts and these are bad thoughts, you know. So I guess we are our values, even if we don't always represent them through our behaviors. Mm-hmm. Does that kind sure, of... Sure, yeah. I guess that's... I feel, I feel like, I mean... That it's, yeah. It's I think to interpretation. I think, I think we know this is not a... <laughs> well, no well here's the research. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know. This would not be well-funded research. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so my, my current way of, of talking about it, and this has grown out of a lot of different stuff that I've like this stuff and some of it and reading and all that. But my current way of thinking about it is, so we are not our thoughts. We are the recipient of our thoughts. So we are the field upon which our thoughts show up. Um, just like um, we are not the sensations in our body. We are the receiver of the sensations in the body we are not our emotions we are the one who experiences the emotions 
so we are this witness of all the stimuli of being a of being a human I mean I think in like a religious aspect that would be probably like a soul right mm-hmm. like oh god I did not mean to go down this path here we are yeah. this is what makes it interesting right yeah but like I right oh I pissed somebody off <laughs> do not talk about a soul um right like that sort of makes some sense of as to people have probably most likely been pondering this well, for a long time. I know to throw a bone in your direction, I know that act, they call itself as context. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Whereas, yeah. I, yeah. I think I, I like to call it like, like the witness the witness consciousness, which I've taken out of somewhere. My, my, Michael Singer maybe. Yeah. Um but I find that very helpful as a way of part of this whole yeah, sure. diffusion process. Yeah, sure. thoughts, anyway. I think it's not just important to be diffused from thoughts, but also to be diffused from emotions too, right? Like if you have a really strong negative emotion and you're in it, and you're like, oh, what do I do with this? What am I going on? And the thoughts are all mixed in there. If you're able to do that step back and go, okay. I'm feeling this. Yeah, I'm experiencing this feeling right now. And, you know, I am... I'm I'm this I'm in this place right now and I'm experiencing this emotion. I'm also, you know, noticing these things visually and I'm hearing these things. I'm not the sounds I hear. Mm-hmm. I'm the one hearing the sounds. It's all I think it's all being part of that same process. I mean, yeah. Oh, I totally agree. Even when you think of like this is a little CBT, but one of the common disputes I'll use when people are like that that thought about a feeling that like I'm gonna feel what if I feel this way forever you know dispute will be like feelings change you mm-hmm. know you have felt this way before and it didn't stick around you will likely yeah it'll likely change again but that piece of just because I have a, a feeling doesn't mean that's reality or that's yeah. forever or that's just because you know I have this doesn't mean that's it mm-hmm. like the fact that things shift means like you feel this right now it doesn't mean this will always be this feeling or this feeling is so true that mm-hmm. that's how life is yeah and that exactly gets at that same thing but yeah to kind of get a little distance that just because I feel this way right now doesn't mean this is the feeling you know this is it yeah that I can have some distance from the feeling yeah. too that's just the thought you were having at the, the time you were feeling. having a feeling you were you are. And so we, that, that's our next podcast. What is the difference between thoughts and feelings? Yeah. Yeah. Which, meh. <laughs> Sounds pretty boring to me. <laughs> Spoken like a true metacognitive disciple, <laughs> Thomas. Uh, um, okay, well, I, I want to read through some yeah. of these quickly as to, like, sure. some that I thought were pretty interesting as... Um, are these ways of doing These this? are ways that... Yeah. that act people like to or some ideas for ways of, mm-hmm. of kind of oh my god I just realized that my whole thing is a metaphor my play thing of course it's a metaphor oh no I was doing acts and I didn't realize it okay go on <laughs> um, but yeah kind of different techniques yeah act techniques for getting a thought diffusion sing it out um, sound it out at this say difficult thoughts very very slowly 
Mm-hmm. Um, just noticing. We use that all the time, I think. Use language yeah. of observation, noticing when talking about thoughts. Yeah. Oh, um, labeling this one, I'm having the thought that, which I love. I do that all the time. All the time. Yeah. Of like, I'm anxious, or I'm having the thought that I'm anxious. Yeah. Or this terrible thing's going to happen, or I'm having the thought that this terrible yeah. thing is going to happen, I think is yeah. awesome. And then when, when I do the, the thing with the, you know, the, the play and watching it, I'm very, very specific with the language. You can't say, I thought this, then I thought that. Mm-hmm. You say, I, I had this thought pop in, then I had this thought pop in. Mm-hmm. Or I often do, like, an- what is anxiety telling you? Yeah. Anxiety, anxiety is says saying. This. Mm-hmm. Anxiety says this. I occasionally, this comes from Reed Wilson, I'll occasionally have people speak directly back to anxiety. Oh, that's one of these. That is one of these. Oh, uh, yeah. It's sort of like using the um, empty chair yeah. technique. Where did it go? This is funny, right? This is because the first technique was an Albert Ellis technique. So it's just funny. We're talking about this stuff, and it's clearly like it's an idea that is present in all these different Mm -hmm. types of treatment theories. Mm -hmm. Uh, This one is think the opposite, engage in the behavior while trying to command the opposite. So can you describe what that would look like? So it might be like um, while you're, I I, I, I go on here. I am going to throw this microphone at Marianne. Yeah. I'm going to throw this microphone yes. at Marianne. I'm going to throw this microphone, sure. but I appear not to be throwing the microphone yeah. at Marianne. I was, like, thinking, like, saying I'm going to hurt a child while I'm, like, yeah, caressing a child or something like that. Yeah. If that's the... I'm thinking, like, OCD stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Because that that is creating distance because it's showing that you are having a thought and it's not actually oh. controlling behavior. Therefore, it's not true, right? Therefore... You're having a thought that's not factually accurate. Therefore, a thought must be a thought. Uh, polarity. Strengthen the evaluative component of a thought and watch it pull its opposite. So kind of talk about it, exaggerate it in opposites. Can you give me an example of that? Because um, I have no idea what you're saying. I think it's a similar kind of thing. Like if yeah. this is, I'm saying this is true, well then I need to like say that this is true Strengthen the evaluative component of a thought and watch it so that, like, this is only true. Like, I'm a bad person. I am such a bad person. I am a terrible person. So that there's, you know, kind of brings up the idea then, like, okay, maybe the opposite could be. Okay. Could be true. Okay. And I'm sort of pausing I'm thinking, like, this, this part of the metacognitive part of me coming in here. But I'm trying to define that difference between operating on the content level of changing the content versus mm, like the thought versus the that like metacognitive level of where you are back a process level versus the content level maybe that is a little content some, but I think it's the, even some of these are getting of, into content right yeah but yeah. I do think that even in noticing that the content can change can show that like right that the yeah. thoughts are fluid yeah so yeah that that makes sense and, and I do because Obviously, being psychologists, I still do plenty of content work. But uh, one thing I always do is try to take advantage of when the content is revealed to be not true. Be like, hey, what does that tell you about how important thoughts are? Mm-hmm. And how important, especially the voice of anxiety. Like, how important is it to, like, what what good of, of, of a... Uh, you know, provider of information is anxiety. Mm-hmm. You know, if it's the roommate that lives in your head, how how good is that roommate? Like yeah, how, how accurate is it? Yeah. Next time he tells you something, how much do you want to pay attention to it? So and yeah, I get that. Could that be then 
that your brain just being a thought factory, coming up with like mm-hmm. more thoughts. And well, and, and for anxiety, not just a thought factory, but a heavily skewed negative, inaccurate, <laughs> freaking out, overreacting mm-hmm. uh, part of the thought factory. Because other parts of the thought factory are like, oh, these shoes, or you know, I'm having this song stuck in my head, or mm-hmm. whatever else I throws at you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, oh. Kitchener's repetition. I don't know that. Repeat the difficult thought until you can hear it. So I wonder if that's sort of like with... Um, milk. Yeah. <laughs> is it milk again? It's a thing sort of thing. Okay. Taking... Let's explain what that is. I, I'm not trying to explain my role. This, sure. You, you can probably explain better being more of an act person. No, I just... Right, like you say something and It's sort of like exposure, like imaginal exposure, right? Like you kind of, I think of it like you take the meaning out of something by saying it enough times that you habituate to the feeling that comes along with the word and then... Yeah, all the associations, with, yeah. I guess, that they're attached to it and then you realize it's you, just a sound. With just the sounds of the word. Yeah, I'll actually, that's something that I have to work on the opposite of with mm. imaginal exposure. Uh-huh. That when I'm tr- sometimes trying to do an imaginal exposure and we're, we're starting with like a phrase or something, like I'm a bad person. That's a terrible one. It's a good, accurate one that I've done. I'm going like, to have a panic attack. Yeah, I'm going to have a panic attack, right? Like sometimes ac- people are like, I can't, I can't make myself feel the feeling because I'm so focused just on the weird words, you know, or I'm like... From, because it's been repeated yes, so many I'm times? Yes, I'm saying these words and I can't feel the feeling. I can't... Mm-hmm. It can't make me bring up the anxiety because I'm just focused... I'm just, like, imagining yeah. the words. Um, especially if it's written down. I'll have that all the time that people are like, I'm, I'm just reading these words and so yeah. it doesn't... I can't make that image come or I can't mm-hmm. feel it because I'm so focused on, like, the written word of it. And so it's almost like the opposite, that you're like, no, 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 okay, just close your eyes then, and don't look at the word, and just imagine. Um, yeah, I think those are probably the, the okay. best ones, some of the top ones. Mm, okay. I know that, I'm trying to think there, those, those are all, those are all good. <laughs> I feel like... I was like, huh, did, did I have more? I'm like, nope. I'm oh, I thought you were, I thought you were coming at this from like a... Begrudgingly saying that's something in act. Oh no, no, no! I was, I was, tr- I was trying to think. Do I have any other ones I would add to that? And I'm like, eh, nothing's coming to mind. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah. And even though, like, I'm labeling this as thought diffusion, mm-hmm. I never talk about it in that way. I think that's mm-hmm. just an easy way to talk about it. Yeah. I just think of it as like getting some space from your thoughts, getting yeah. some distance from your thoughts. Yeah, seeing, I think of it as seeing thoughts as just thoughts. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, choosing how to respond to it. Okay, so do we need a summary? This is, I feel like you're much more skilled at the summary. I, I don't know. Than I, am. I, I, I like us both doing our summary because I just think what is going to jump out to me, it's going to be probably different to what jumps out to you. It's hard. And, and if someone's listening, then they're, they're, they're probably going to be a range of what's going to be most important to them. So... Um, God, this is really not my forte. Um, so I think the summary or take home message is basically to get a little distance from your thoughts, that your brain is a thought factory and is going to throw all kinds of things at you. Mm-hmm. And just because you think a thought, even if it is a very um, emotionally engaging thought, something that really grabs your attention, it's still at the end of the day, just like every other thought, just a thought. And the more, especially for the thought you're struggling with, the more space or distance you can get from them to be able to notice them and look at them, the less power that they have. That's it. Yes. 
That's a great. That's a great summary. <laughs> I'm not sure I need to add to that. Um, yes. Yeah. So I think my my takeaway would be, yeah, it's really important to be able to see that thoughts are thoughts rather than reality. Um, because sometimes you help you recognize that they're not accurate. Um, but other times you realize that you're responding to the thoughts in ways that aren't helpful by worrying and ruminating. And so you just treat them as being... For anxiety, a lot of times, I have people try to treat it as though those thoughts are unimportant. And so having that distance allows you to do it and then choose... You get to choose how to respond to it. Yeah. Yeah, feel less bullied by your thoughts then. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Have a little more control. Yeah. Or... Feel a little. Yeah, and it means if you have thoughts you don't like, step back a little bit. Yeah. They're not they're not you. There's thoughts that you are experiencing. Mm-hmm. And it's like goes back to the irony of anxiety, right? Like the more that you on purpose try to suppress them, mm-hmm. the more it comes back. The more it's gonna come back. Yeah. The more it's gonna. Whereas whereas if you can be force you to focus actively on passive, then you are not there. feeding it, and you're allowed to kind of like burn its way down mm-hmm. yeah and I think it's such a nuanced thing because it's yeah you don't want to suppress it and squash it and tell mm-hmm. it you cannot be there but yeah. you also it's hard to say like you can be there but I'm not going to give you a lot of attention like that's a, a tough thing it's, a hard, tough it's hard to, to do. do but it is it's a psychological muscle mm-hmm. and you you get better at it the more you practice it mm-hmm. and I do think meditation is a Sure. It's a helpful way of working on this because yeah, we've really in, in, about in meditation you, you've got some boring stimulus to focus on. Like your breath. Yeah, like your breath or a mantra. And then when you realize, oh, I'm thinking, that moment of noticing, oh, I'm thinking, is you stepping back from thoughts. Mm-hmm. And then you choose to reallocate attention back to the boring stimulus and you practice that again and again and again. You're building up that muscle that will allow you to to decenter or defuse or detach. Yeah. And when people are like, oh, I'm terrible at meditating, I always get like, you know, my monkey mind starts going, all these new thoughts <laughs> always come in, you're like, no, that's not being bad at it. That's, yeah. that's totally, your that's, brain is acting like a brain. That's the goal. And the fact that you're noticing that your thought, other thoughts are coming in is you starting yeah. to do that work. It's doing great, yeah. Yeah. Re, yeah like re-educate it. on meditation. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, thanks for listening. Yeah. Thank you. We'll see you all next. Feel free again. Oh yeah, yeah. To send yeah, send us messages of things you want us to work on. If you're like, this is dumb. I don't want to hear about detachment from thoughts. Tell tell us what you care about. Tell me more about specific. And then if you're interested, we'll talk about it. Yeah. Uh, But we cannot treat anybody. Yes, it's not treatment. It would not be treatment. Educational purposes. Um, Interesting conversations. Podcast. Uh, Marianne at anxietyaustin.com or Thomas at anxietyaustin.com. Is, right? That's our website. Our email address. Well, thanks for listening. Yeah, and thanks for listening. See you next time.